The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lynn. Hi, I'm Nancy Lynn. Thank you for tuning in. Today's program is sponsored by Change Agent SF Coaching and Consulting Services. Every week on the show, we bring you thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. And so far, we have talked a lot on the show about how all industries are being reinvented. But even young companies have to face the challenge of transform or die. When the companies first started, it focused a lot on survival and um, how to find enough customers to sustain its business. And most new companies fail to do so. But the few who make it to the next phase, well, they soon realize that they have other challenges that are equally daunting, such as how to scale up the company to meet the growing demand and navigate increasing complexity, or face the question of how to drive and manage growth while making sure the company is moving in sync. So to help us answer these big questions, I invited two experts in this area to help us um, with these um, topics today and join us in the conversation. With me are Nanette Miller and Julia Batui. They both have a lot of experiences helping companies through their transitions. Nanette is West Coast partner in charge of assurance companies, excuse me, assurance services at Markham LLP, one of the largest independent public accounting advisory services firms in the U.S. She's a trusted business advisor for startup and emerging companies, as well as troubled entities that require restructuring. Julie is managing partner of Pivot Point Partners, whose mission is to help market companies accelerate growth. She brings to her work corporate management experience, strategic thinking, and entrepreneurial know-how. And I'm really, really excited to have both of them with me today. Nanette and Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nancy. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, I would think a lot of entrepreneurs would love to have the problem of too much growth. But are all business scalable? Julie, would you like to start first? No. They are not, um, and there, uh, in my experience, there are um, some consistent themes to those that are not scalable, um, and I think they're best pointed out in some of the research that John, a man by the name of John Hamm did um, for, for HBR, and he talked about four factors. Um, one was favoring loyalty over performance. Another was an orientation to task versus strategy. In other words, flying the plane and developing a team to to help build a plane at the same time so mm-hmm. that um, if you're a leader, you can really focus on both, but your your focus is primarily on growing the business. A third was single-mindedness um, as compared to really bringing in a lot of diversity of thinking. And... Um, not being able to understand the the system that a company is working in. In other words, being more focused on the product or service as compared to being focused on the customer, the the, uh, the suppliers, and to some extent the competitors in their workspace. Mm, so it sounds like what you're saying is that companies or leaders who are more strategic thinking probably have a better chance of scaling up their companies. Um, Nanette, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll let, I agree with Julie on the um, management side, but I'll say some businesses. So I also say no, but some businesses are limited just based on their on the customer base, on the service provided, 
or available resources. So there could be physical limitations as well as management. That said, I believe most small businesses and mid-side businesses can be scalable. Mm, yeah, well, definitely good elements and qualities um, for entrepreneurs to think about before they start a business. Um, and, and based on what you have seen out there, what do you think is the biggest misperception leaders have about what it takes to scale up the net? I'll give you two items. One is the amount of capital that it takes to scale up. You can't take every dollar of earnings out of the business and expect the business to have the resources to grow. It takes capital to scale up. Also, making sure you have available labor. You may need to hire and train more employees if your existing workforce is maxed out. Yeah, I think it would be very dangerous to think that you could just take out every dollar you have. Um, Julie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I, uh, Nanette and I are completely in agreement on finding talent and um, financial resources. I also think um, being able to get out of the middle of problems and decisions um, and delegating more and more responsibility to particularly um, an executive's management team and also timing. Um, knowing when to bring the right people in and knowing when to look for uh, capital, knowing when to launch new products and services, and knowing when to make certain operating improvements. Um, because scaling is really being able to get past certain inflection points, and uh, the timing of those is critical. So having a sense of the right timing is, is important. So in other words, um, when it comes to misperception, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs assume that they could do it all. And they kind of delay delegation um, sometimes for too long. Um, um, So I think you both hit on some really good um, points that could impact a company's growth potential. Let's just elaborate a little bit more um, in terms of common growing pains companies um, run into when they're trying to take their business to the next level. Um, Julie, would you want to continue on that that threat threat? Well, I think it's it's a combination between being focused, but being um, not just focused themselves. What I've seen uh, of the best leaders is being able to focus uh, their leadership team. So engaging them, um, their head of marketing, their head of sales, their head of operations, in a conversation about where they want to take the company next. Um, often when an entrepreneur is starting a company, it's their single focus, it's their idea, their kind of timing to um, bring an idea, a product or service to the market. But in order to scale, they have to really engage um, their direct reports, the team reporting to them, into that same conversation and really be able to socialize it so that you have five people who are seeing the business as a whole at the same time, engaged in a conversation and solving problems and making decisions together. Mm. And Nanette, what about uh, growing pains that companies are running into a lot? Well, when I'll tell you, it's like Julie and I did a mind merge before the radio show. So I just <laughs> about going from a sole going from a sole proprietorship and actually being a being a you know a corporation having having that, and that is a really big problem. But some of the practical things as well is not having credit facilities in place to finance the growth because all of a sudden what you're doing on your bootstraps may need a more formal credit line. Or this is a very common problem having the wrong types of credit facilities in place. I've seen many companies using a working capital such line, such as an AR revolver, when they really need to have a long-term line because they're investing in equipment or inventory. And also a common pain is they want to grow and they give way too much credit to one company. So those are some practical uh, pains that the companies have. Mm, very, very good points. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but Julie, let me get back to you um, talking about engaging the leadership team. Um, and that's kind of related to like trying to meet the increasing demand um, and increasing responsibility mm-hmm. from, you know, increasing uh, uh, products, um, you know, revenues and, and, and orders. And so a lot of fast growing companies struggle to meet the need, and especially when they don't have a good infrastructure system in place. What can they do to overcome that challenge in a timely fashion? 
you know, when, mm-hmm. when they're in an environment where they feel like everything needed to happen yesterday. So how yeah. can I cope with that very, very big challenge of building up an infrastructure? Um, I, what I've seen and my experience and what I've built on over the last 15 or 20 years is really being focused on the right questions um, that they begin to answer for themselves. So I have a set of five questions um, that have to do with establishing a long-term view, mission, vision, values, um, asking the question of who is our customer, who is our target customer, and what is our customer value versus what Often um, teams think about what the customer values from the point of view of their product as compared to what the customers really do value and staying in constant touch with the customers so that they are evolving their product or service in their target market based on what they're learning from the customers. Um, the fourth one is what results should, be, should we be managing to and um, having a consistent way of constantly monitoring and managing those results. And then the fifth is what is our plan um, and how do we break that plan down from perhaps two to five years out to an annual plan, a quarterly plan, and a monthly plan, and having the discipline of constantly looking at variance to plan, figuring out um, where they're off track, what they need to do to address to be able to get back on track, and making sure that the metrics or the results that they're managing are measuring financial performance, performance from the point of view of their customers, um, measuring internal operations, effectiveness and, and efficiency of their internal operations, and also the, some of the soft measures around staff, um, technology implementation and things like that. So there's a, there's a rigor to the focus and the conversation that the executive team is engaged in. And it's, I like to use the example of, or the metaphor of going to the gym that lots of people decide at the beginning of the year they're going to go to the gym. Lots of people develop strategic plans, and they become strategic plans on the shelf. Um, this is like going to the gym every day with a trainer, <laughs> focusing on the right agenda to be able to build a skill set that's going to, to enable them to grow and scale their business. Mm, okay, so to circle back to the question of infrastructure, it sounds like what you're saying is that companies really need to start at high-level thinking about overall what are the results and the vision they try to accomplish, and then asking what kind of infrastructure is missing um, or preventing them from achieving them, and from there to identify what are some of the systems they need to develop. Yes. Infrastructure is in the service of their customers and their financial performance. It's not a standalone conversation. Right. So I'm sure by going through all these strategic questions, there are going to be so many topics, areas that need to be addressed, right? So when you are moving at all cylinders and really stretch your resources, how do you go about prioritizing your goals as well as your resources? Because I'm sure by having that strategic conversation, you're going to come up with a long list of things to do, right? So how do you find your priorities? Um, You know, it looks like we're actually uh, need to take a break right now. So hold your thoughts and we're going to come back and talk about this some more. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business and innovation trends, go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreinvention. We'll be back after these messages. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you ever wondered where the people with all the answers get all the answers? At Markham LLP, their clients benefit from 60 years of assurance, tax, and consulting experience, all put to work to solve their toughest business challenges. Markham has the depth and breadth of experience across dozens of industries and specialties to be your go-to resource when it's time for action. The truth is, you don't need to have all the answers when you can ask someone who does. Ask Markham. 
To learn more or to connect with a professional in your area, visit Markham on the web at www.marcumllp.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Do you know that only 4% of companies ever reach more than $1 million in sales and only 0.4%, that's less than 1% of all companies ever make it to $10 million or more in revenue. So scaling up is really a huge challenge. And I think one of the biggest challenges is actually prioritization. So I wanted to go back to the question I had to you, Julie, before the break, is that when you are facing accelerated growth, so many things need to be done. You have very limited resource as a leader, how can you lead your team in terms of prioritizing your your objectives and also your resources? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, part of prioritizing is going through the process of setting a long-term plan and then being able to chunk it down into shorter and shorter segments, but they align. So that what I do quarterly lines up with what I need to do the next quarter. It's kind of like Jim Collins' notion of the 20-mile march. If you want to get to the top of the mountain, you, you have to have some kind of consistency and focus at the same time. So part of what um, I use to help um, prioritize is the scorecard itself, the measures that are used to um, focus the performance of the business. And they're financial measures, measures that evaluate customer satisfaction, measures that evaluate operating performance, efficiency, and effectiveness, and measures that evaluate performance, uh, satisfaction of staff um, and enabling technology. The other thing that... Um, helps refine the priorities that you set in a plan is an ongoing set of conversations that you continue to have with your team, much like a sports team, you know, where you have a goal at the beginning of the year to go to the qualifying round, but after every game, you have a hindsight, foresight conversation about what you can do better prior to the next game. Yeah, I think scorecard helps people to stay focused on your top priorities. But before that, you have to determine your priorities. And then you can decide what you want to measure. So what you were saying is that you have, you kind of backtrack it from long-term goal and then realizing what needs to be done now in order to make that happen five years from now. And that's how you determine the priorities. Um, Nanette, do you have anything Can I jump in a little bit to what Julie said? Because the other thing, I think she's absolutely right about these goal-oriented meetings. And I think it's very important for management to listen for the feedback on why it's working and why it's not working and what ideas the employees might have for improving the plan. So I think it's important for, for management to listen. And a lot of times, as these new companies grow, they're so used to telling, they have to learn to listen. Excellent point. Oh, that's um, a great point. And I think during the break, you were also saying something about stress test, and I'm really curious about the idea behind yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I agree with Julie. You have to have a plan, and I think it's important that you stress test the plan because life is not perfect. So you need to stress test it so that you have solutions in case you have unexpected problems. Like maybe you have a new customer that's a huge box store, and they want to change your payment plans from 30 days to 60 days. Well, you have to have a plan in place for that delay in working capital. Or can your supplier meet the demand for the 
increase product flow. Remember, if you're going to have to airship it from China, you could have just lost your gross profit. So it's important to have stress testing and making sure you have solutions for these everyday business issues that arise. Yeah, and now that you're talking about financial um, issues, let's let's focus on that for a few minutes. Um, so now that we have priorities that we decided we wanted to focus on, now we need the money to fund the growth and, and the plans, right? So one way to do that is to get credit facilities in place, as you alluded to at the beginning of the show. Um, what are some of the things that companies should consider, Nanette, um, before setting up the credit line so they don't end up with the wrong type of credit facility, like you said? or pay too much interest or maybe take on too much risk? Well, again, with, with you know Julie's suggestion, you now stress tested it. And I think it's important to sit down with the bank, show them your, your, your cash flow, your projection, what you're looking for, and they'll help design something that works for you. Remember, if it's if it's short-term needs, then you have a short-term credit line. If it's long-term, you need to have long-term. I think it's a matter of having good tax returns, good uh, internal or CPA-prepared statements, and then having a dialogue with the bank that's your size. You want to find a bank, whether it's mid-market or it's a higher-end bank. You need the bank size to fit your business or the business size you're growing into. Nanette, um, you know, it is not wise, like you said, um, to use short-term loans to buy long-term assets. But sometimes companies don't really have the option uh, because they can't get the loans um, from the banks that they need it because banks tend to base their decision on past income and not future growth. Um, the other option that they have uh, maybe to raise more money from investors. But, but how do you decide whether or not getting a loan or getting an investment is a better option for you? Um, what are some of the questions that entrepreneurs should ask themselves before making that decision? Well, that, well that's excellent. I, I just had a, a situation with a new client where they were replacing their technology every single year. They had to develop new technology. And when we talked about it, they never were really going to pay back the loan because then they had to invest in new technology. So when you have something that really looks like a three- to five-year uh, window for payback or longer, perhaps you might want an, an investor in the company who's willing to leave their money in longer and take the, the appreciation and the value of the business and not take money out. So if you're looking for something that's really developing the business or, as Julie said earlier, building infrastructure, that might take more than five years to get the return back on that, and that might be something you want as an investor. I mean, the other thing is if you do have the credit, interest rates are at an all-time low right now, so perhaps getting a long-term uh, loan for, say, five years at 6 or 7%, even if you have to personally guarantee it, might be a better way to go because then you're not diluting your ownership. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a secondary source of repayment, such as a your a house or something like that, although no one wants to put their house in, perhaps you may may be able to get that bank loan. Mm. And we're also seeing more and more startups um, offering alternative financing options like revenue-based financing or peer-to-peer financing. Um, I'm or just curious. If, yeah, so <laughs> I'm curious if any of your uh, clients are trying out those options, and and if you have any thoughts on the alternative financing options. I've seen the alternative financing on the revenue sharing side work quite well. On the crowdfunding, that typically ends up being what I consider a really small business at this point where they need fifty or 75000 and sometimes it, it, it makes excitement on social media and you get the crowdfunding. So I haven't seen it work for you know huge amounts of business at this point, but I have seen it work for smaller amounts. Mm, okay, so to finish up the conversation about you know finding resources, um, uh, I think uh, entrepreneurs also have the tendency to focus a lot on revenue and not enough on cash flow. Um, what other advice do you have um, for the entrepreneurs in terms of cash flow management to deal with increasing operations or production cost? Well, again, uh, a sale at, at, at mind your gross profit. I'll say, you know, mind, make sure that those additional sales are giving you adequate return to cover your overhead. So, you know, look at look at the gross profit structure. Uh, look at uh, the, the amount of labor you might need for it, and the and the infrastructure. Okay, so Julie, now say that we have a priority listed, and then we have the funds for that. Um, now it comes to implementation, and studies have shown that a good strategy only accounts for a very small percentage of your success. 
And what's even more important is really how well the strategy is carried out. Uh, but in reality, plans sometimes are not implemented or not implemented well. Can you talk about these two different scenarios and how leaders should handle these situations? About uh, having a strategy and implementing it at the same time? Yeah, like implementation issues. How can you make yeah. sure that a strategy is carried out well? Yeah. Um, actually, 80% of strategies are never implemented. Um, so we call them spots, strategic plans on the shelf. And uh, maybe I can use an example of a fifth-generation construction company that really in the, five, the four generations prior pretty much hovered around the same um, revenue rate. And um, the client that I'm working with who brought me in about a year and a half ago uh, began to work with the company during the 2007-2008 recession, pared down the business um, over three or four years, and then we began to work following some of the steps that we talked about on setting up a, a plan and engaged his team in quarterly conversations about the strategy, used the five questions to focus the plan and develop a scorecard. And um, really it was the, the discipline of having the plan going back on a regular basis. They meet on a quarterly basis to revisit the plan, look at variances in the scorecard, um, the whole team now is involved. There's a team of six. They grew 60% last year. And, in fact, the team members have almost leapfrogged the initial plan and um, have plans to double their business in their own business units again over the next two to three years using some of the same kind of systems and procedures of planning. And um, so it's the repetition of it. It's the focus, the repetition, like going to the gym, and the ability to use meetings to plan, continue to focus and revise the plan, solve problems, and make decisions, and then hold each other accountable to execute on those decisions. Mm. Um, so a lot of it is keeping the plan in conversation. I like to say that strategy happens in the conversation. It doesn't happen in the document. The mm. document is just a reference point, but where it stays alive and stays on people's mind and in their attention and really focuses their action is in the conversation, which is often driven through meetings, through really productive meetings that are focused on uh, the scorecard and the you know, the priorities that they've set. Mm. So communications, communication, communication, right? So yeah. a lot of ongoing monitoring and, and I should say ongoing and consistent monitoring and also evaluation. And I think one thing you touched on uh, is really important is having the accountability and, and that is goes back to the scorecards that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And holding each other accountable. So it's not just the scorecard on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. It's the scorecard because there are always variances on the scorecard. People are going to, you know, be on track on some things and off track on other things. But it's the rigor of course correcting and holding each other accountable, not just the CEO holding the team accountable, but the, the team itself holding themselves accountable. Really excellent point. Well, it's time for another break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. We'll be back in two minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Have you ever wondered where the people with all the answers get all the answers? At Markham LLP, their clients benefit from 60 years of assurance, tax, and consulting experience, all put to work to solve their toughest business challenges. Markham has the depth and breadth of experience across dozens of industries and specialties to be your go-to resource when it's time for action. The truth is, you don't need to have all the answers when you can ask someone who does. 
Ask Markham. To learn more or to connect with a professional in your area, visit Markham on the web at www.marcumllp.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, before the break, we were talking about Im- implementation. Um, Nanette, you also have something to add. I like Julie's idea of the scorecard. I think it's important that you get credible numbers on a timely basis to up upgrade the scorecard so you can adjust your plan. I think one of the biggest problems you know, businesses have when they're implementing new strategies is not adjusting it quick enough. And so that's sort of tying into what Julie was saying. Mm, really, really good point. Um, so, of course, another um, thing that's really important um, to the success of implementation is obviously people. Um, and fast-growing companies um, sometimes face the problem of not having enough people or not having the right people. And some employees are great entrepreneurs but not great managers. And as company grows, they are no longer the right people for the job they are in. And I've seen leaders who are unwilling to deal with people issues because um, the sensitivity and end up seeing the company's morale or efficiency take a dive. Um, Julie, do you have examples of companies that might have handled this really well? Um, How did they go about it? I probably have more examples of people who, you know, where we all handle it, mishandle it very easily. It goes back to the first point that um, we made at the beginning where one of the challenges for entrepreneurs is favoring loyalty over performance. Mm. Um, And so I don't think I've ever met a leader who said in hindsight, um, I acted too fast in replacing somebody who was not matched to the position. (laughs) Um, It's always, I waited too long. I knew six months ago, one year ago, two years ago, that I should have replaced that person, and I waited too long. And what happens is that everybody knows that it's a mismatch, and then it begins to create, it begins to erode the culture because you're putting up with somebody who's not matched for the job. Um, one, one of, there are a couple of things that I think are best practices. One is in, um, in performance problems, um, they, the research says that it relates back to 70% of performance problems are, um, related to how the job is defined or not defined. Often the job is not defined or the role is not clear, clearly defined. And then the next um, misstep is often in the selection process. So both of those are typically um, uh, not very rigorous. Um, they're, you know, I need a person, I'm late in getting that person, so I just find one of my clients who's in construction says, I need a guy, <laughs> I need a body, I need someone to fill this job, and leaders often feel like they're constantly catching up to find somebody, and so they make the decision, um, they make inappropriate decisions. They make the wrong decision about what the job is, and then they make the wrong decision about the person who's matched to that or not, is not matched to that job. So those two steps, if, uh, if um, the hiring, the people who are hiring have a good process 
and can clearly define the job and go through a fairly rigorous selection process, you can be pretty assured that you have it nailed. Yeah, so I think the mistake companies often make is that they rush to hire someone uh, without spending enough time to think about the qualification um, the, that the person should have or spend enough time on the job description, like you said. Um, yeah. And even when they have a good job description, I think what happens sometimes is that over time, the role has evolved and yes. you know the company didn't take the time to redefine the role. And so they end up not finding the right match for that position. And also... Um, Going back to the first point you mentioned, I think what happened a lot of time with the companies not making the firing decision quickly enough is that they focus so much on the price they have to pay for dealing with a confrontation and not think about the price of not dealing with a confrontation. So um, so I think that that's also one of the issues. Um, Julie, did you have something else you wanted to add? Nope. I think okay. you um, did a great job of summarizing. Um, and another thing I would point out is that I think sometimes um, companies need to figure out if the employee is coachable or not, if they're having a problem with a particular person. Because I think sometimes an employee's in, uh, performance goes from good to bad because the person does not understand the changing need or does not have the new mm-hmm. skills necessary for the role. And mm-hmm. the manager really needs to step in either with coaching or providing some sort of training program. And in some cases, the person may not be coachable uh, or may not be interested in the new skills or responsibilities that they have to develop. And I think at that point, company can either find a position elsewhere in the company that's more suitable and if they cannot find um, such a position, then they may have to decide, um, make the decision to let the person go. So then that, what would be the potential financial considerations that companies should take into account if they're really getting to the point to have to fire someone or consider reorganization? Well, it's, it's two categories. One, the cost of turnover can be expensive, and the cost of non-turnover can be expensive. <laughs> the cost of turnover can be expensive because you have training, you have severance, you have morale, you have efficiency. And this is new in the last, you know, six months. Now you have staff availability. It's, it's so hard now with our unemployment rate so low to find, you know, trained staff. So turnover is expensive. But then non-turnover can be just as expensive. Again, you have the morale, you have the whole culture issue. You could have lost sales. You could end up in litigation. So either way, it gets, it gets expensive, which is why I think coaching and mentoring and having a, a great evaluation um, um, methodology in place that takes that job description, gives feedback so you can avoid these. Because either way, it, it becomes very expensive for, for small, medium-sized, and even large businesses. And Julie, I want to go back to about the strategic planning that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, there's also times when your growth strategy is just not working well as you expected. So what are some of the questions leaders should ask themselves or ask the team um, to help identify reasons why there's lack of traction mm-hmm. or maybe to understand better the real business drivers for growth? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, uh, so I would go back to the plan again and look at where in the scorecard you're off track. Um, if you're off track in measures around the marketplace, um, uh, adoption of a new product or service, um, dissatisfaction with your clients, then you know that perhaps your assumptions about what problems you're solving for your customers are probably off. If it's, um, if in your scorecard you're um, not executing certain core processes, for example, sales or business development, you're having trouble with turnover, um, you're not getting your product or service to market in the right time, then that tells you something about your internal operations. So I would go back and say sometimes your plan isn't correct, um, but your your performance measures, um, if they're really measuring the effectiveness of your business, are going to tell you where your plan is on or off track. Um, if your plan's really off track, then the, the, the 
what I've seen works a lot is just going out to the marketplace and talking to, uh, if it's on the demand side, the customer side, really talking to the customers or potential customers. Um, if it's on the supply side, then it's talking to your vendors to find out where the problems are. Okay, so we talked about the scorecard, the matrix a lot. Um, can you give us some examples of the most common matrix that companies use? And also, have you ever seen situations where companies been measuring the wrong uh, matrix? And then yeah. how do they go about finding out that those were the wrong measurements or wrong yeah. focus? Julie? Yeah, okay. Um, well, you asked a question um, when we were planning for the call about the balance scorecard, and I use that to really define the metrics for a scorecard, and there are four categories in the balance scorecard. One is financial, so it's typically um, cost and profit or revenue and profit. Um, the next category down, which is really a predictive set of indicators to your financial performance is uh, are things around customer satisfaction, um, adoption rates, new customers um, that are buying your product, customer retention, things like that that would measure customer satisfaction, not just in quality but in quantity as well. Um, Predictors to customer satisfaction have to do with internal operating measures, and I think this is the best-kept secret. Um, so typically, um, those metrics, um, which often businesses don't measure, are the um, um, metrics associated with your the performance of your sales staff. And so what I mean by that are metrics like forecasting accuracy, how accurate is your sales team really in delivering what they say they're going to deliver? Do you have measures that um, forecast the number of customers that are going to be required in order to, li- to deliver on sales revenue? Um, product and service um, performance. What is the 80-20 rule in terms of um, what what? Uh, products or services are selling through the fastest, which have the highest gross margin? Are you really um, right-sizing your portfolio of products and services so that you continue to deliver those that are the most um, popular with your customers but are also throwing off the best profits for the company? And then we talked a lot about talent. Talent management is a process, and it starts with being able to forecast the number of jobs that you're going to hire to, um, the number of recruits, the timing of when you're going to be, uh, begin the recruiting process, um, how much time it takes you to place someone, what your retention rates are, what your the investment in onboarding new employees is. So those three examples, and there are more, there are typically about eight internal core processes that are activities that tie functions together. So when you think about the functions in a company, you're looking from top to bottom. But when you're thinking about processes, you're thinking about the end-to-end activities that cross functions that are key to your business. And those often aren't measured, but when they're measured, you then have the key to the engine of your business. Excellent. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to give Lynette the opportunity to also talk about financial matrix as well. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For more information about the show, please go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreinvention. We'll be back after these messages. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. 
In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email nancylynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right, so let's talk about the financial side of operation, um, and let's continue on with um, the matrix topic. Nanette, what would you suggest high-growth companies put in place, um, for example, so they can avoid the problem uh, that you mentioned earlier of giving one company too much credit? Um, What other suggestions do you have? I have a few more, and they actually kind of fall into the same categories that Julie mentioned. But one thing, and I think she kind of alluded to it, is, is, is your pricing structure correct for the new customers you're going after? Will that affect your existing customers? Perhaps going after your new customers, you may turn off some of your old customers. Is there brand recognition? Have I marketed my strategy correctly? And again, is there a competitor out there who's doing a better job than I am? And that might be, you may have done all your metrics right, but you're not looking at your competitor. And then, uh, am I meeting my customer demands as to delivery and product quality? So these are, again, these are going to be themes that are going through. And again, you know, timing is so important. Today on the, uh, the radio, I was listening about this new DNA technology that was being patented by a major university, and they lost out because their competitor paid $500 more and had it fast-tracked. So you have to do all these strategies, not in a vacuum, but but also being aware of what your competitors are doing because everything is fluid and moving. So true. So very true. Um, so wanted to have, ask you also more questions about financial forecasts. I know you touched on that this briefly um, earlier, but I wanted to talk about the problem of potent, potentially overspending um, or lack of good financial forecast because a lot of fast growing companies really don't have a lot of history to base their planning on. So what do you suggest that they do um, in terms of um, having a good financial forecast? Again, as we mentioned earlier, you have to be able to adjust it. You don't have a lot of history, so you have to look at it more often. And if you have to have that metric, if you don't get those sales in, then you must be able to slow down maybe some of your shipments from your vendors and your customers if it's not coming through. So you have to understand how the the vendor side plays in with the customer, and you have to be able to adjust that, you know, regulate it, put the gas up or put the gas down based on your volume. And you can't spend on uh, totally on a forecast. And it's a delicate measure because, you know, there's lead time involved and there's opportunity cost, but you really have to weigh that with how quickly on your, uh, your balance card and your report card you're meeting those metrics. And if you miss the first metric, you need to say, whoa, time out. Let's let's adjust. What are we doing wrong, and how is that impacting? So we have time for one more question. Um, so I like to talk about the CEOs a little bit. So if you were the CEO of a fast-growing company, what are the three skills or qualities that you would focus on? Julie, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, the first one is um, the ability, and I'm speaking more about leadership now. Um, I think we talked a lot about management practices around planning, scorecarding, things like that. Um, but in leadership, it's the ability for a leader to read the environment and self-correct. Um, in other words, to really be aware of, I think Nanette talked about being aware of listening, um, being aware of how much your direction um, and your leadership is being accepted or not accepted by the people who have to follow you or who, who you want to want to follow you. Um, 
The other one is uh, the the combination of being focused on the um, kind of building the plane and flying it at the same time, what's required in terms of uh, longer-term strategy and what's required in terms of um, really the efficiency and effectiveness of your operation. Um, and uh, I would say maybe the third one um, has to do with picking the right people um, on your uh, executive team to complement who are both synergistic with the values that you've set for the company, but who really complement um, your strengths and your def- and your deficiencies. Mm. Nanette? Um, I, I can agree with all of them. I think also opportunistic. You have to be ready to whenever whatever happens to adjust in, in mid-sentence and change and be, be there. I think you have to be creative. And I really, really believe in the team building. You must, if you're going to be a large company, you have to build that infrastructure. You have to get people in that have skill sets you don't have, and you have to let them lead their departments. Yeah, all good, very points. Um, and I would also add the ability to inspire because I think in the fast-growing environment, you're asking people to take on more responsibility mm. with less resources. So how do you inspire them and engage them to motivate them to be willing to do all this for much less? Um, it's really, really critical. And like all of you have mentioned, you know, how to delegate and also you know, select talent, uh, very, very critical. And, you know, most CEOs have their coaches, too. They don't do this in a vacuum. They can't know everything. And, and sometimes they have their coach as their listening post so that they have someone that can help them get grounded as well. So I, I think coaching is also important. Yeah, definitely great to have a thought partner. And with that, I have to wrap up our conversation today. Nanette and Julie, thank you for the valuable advice you provided today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I also want to thank the audience for listening and please join me again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time or download our podcast so that you can listen to them on the go. You can also tweet your comments to me at BizWeMention. Thanks again and have a wonderful week and I hope to talk to you again next week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to BizReinvention.com for more business insights. That's B-I-Z Reinvention.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 